Welcome to the Generation Iron Podcast, featuring the biggest names in bodybuilding, fitness, combat, and strength sports world. If you want to be a bodybuilding champion, it takes hours and hours every day of being dedicated and being passionate about it. As your boy here, Kai Green, aka Mr. Getting It Done. Yeah, Tune in to the GI exclusives on the Generation Iron Airwaves. What's up, guys? We're back to the Generation Iron Podcast, where we talk to the biggest names in fitness, sports, and bodybuilding. Today, we're going to talk to a legendary bodybuilder. He stems from the golden era of bodybuilding. He competed on the top stages in U.S. and Europe in the 70s and 80s, and he's still going strong, working out in Gold's Gym Venice. Um, he's, very, he's very outspoken. Sometimes, you know, what he says might offend some people. Uh, but nevertheless, he, uh, he gives a great interview, and it's very rare to get an interview with him. So today we're going to have a very candid conversation with Robbie Robinson. Robbie, it's great to be talking to you today. Uh, you, are a living you. Le- you are a living legend, man. I'm a big fan of yours. I don't know about all that, man. <laughs> no, de- definitely, man, definitely. I'm, I was very excited about this interview. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I wanted to do it for a long time, but I heard that you oh. you don't do interviews. You know, you kind of like you you, you stay away from the from the media. So uh, when you know you agreed to do it, I was very excited. You know, really, man. I, the reason I have been have stayed away from the media because um, back in the in the day, you know, that's what you did. If you opened your mouth and said something, that you would be like reprimanded and too old for that. I didn't really want to be bothering it even then. Mm-hmm. And to find myself in that situation, uh, it wasn't nice for me. I didn't handle it very well because of the fact that I'm from the South. Mm-hmm. And you you had a whole different mentality than I mean, people in all the areas. That's just how it was. I grew up in the swamps. I grew up with Indians, the Seminole Indians in Florida, see. Mm-hmm. So that's how I grew up. I grew up on a farm. I grew up already doing everything a bodybuilder was doing. And I wasn't even into bodybuilding that well. I, mean, I was using cement blocks and blocks and rope uh, inner tube tires and chins and things like that. So I just, I just kind of really bent all to myself. I've never really made friends in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The only I really associated myself with really is Chris Vermeer. Mm-hmm. That's about it, really. Well, I was going to actually ask you about how did you, I know you're from the South, right? How did you get into uh, into bodybuilding? How did you discover it? And why did you decide to go to that route? Well, yeah, I have a, a disease that's called sickle cell anemia, okay? And in that process, I was like sick all the time because it's a blood disease. It's, mm-hmm. you, it affects your blood. You can't get enough energy. You don't have enough uh, vitality to, to live life or to do anything because you're always sick. You get whatever colds and all these things a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of really was always to myself, pretty much of a loner type. And um, I came out, I remember I was sitting in my living room uh, watching first black and white television we ever had. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I see this guy jumping up and down, right? <laughs> and hmm. I'm thinking, who in the heck is this dude to myself, right? Mm-hmm. And then Jack LaLanne. So I said, wow, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here and watch that. So I started watching his shows every day, starting probably about six years old. And it got to me to the point, I thought, well, maybe I should get up and start doing some of these things too. So I start every morning with Jack, uh, Jack LaLanne mm-hmm. going through his exercises. Mm-hmm. And I did that for years. And then that started to get a little easy. Then I shipped in front of me cement blocks, mm-hmm. uh, with train wheels, wherever I could to you know, learn how to lift weights. 
um, Richard Baldwin was one of the people that I got involved with back in those days. Richard mm -hmm. kind of gave me a little bit of direction, allowed me to dream and look in his magazines at his home. Mm -hmm. And from there, I just kind of took off. It, it, it seemed like bodybuilding for me was easy. Mm -hmm. you know, my, parents, my mother and father had great physiques, just naturally. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, you know, if I work out, that my whole concept too was going to be having that genetic base that my body would respond to exercises and workouts real easy. So that did what that's what happened. So what year was it that you actually got into the gym and started taking it more and more seriously? In my days, the blacks weren't allowed in gyms. Really? You couldn't go into nah. You couldn't go in no gym. You couldn't even afford it. Really, you couldn't afford it. It was just too much. Mm. And so what I did was, as I say, I went to the junkyards and I started collecting huge train wheels. And my parents own a big house in Tallahassee. So I had this big, huge closet mm -hmm. and I started training in that closet. I started using boards and bricks as a bench. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I started wow. nailing a bar, an old, what is it? Um, a water faucet bar, probably about this long, hook nails into it and hung it on the wall and started doing all myself in that closet. And I did it, as, I trained in that closet for years. I didn't really ever get to do it. As I say, I couldn't afford it. Richard Baldwin was the one person that got me into a gym at Florida State University because we both lived in Tallahassee. He was mm -hmm. going to school at the university, and what I was doing was just working at, at the Tallahassee Democrat newspaper. I was a what they call a um, computer man at that point. Computers were already out, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I was working as a computer person. I could read the tapes, and what I was doing was able comparing the tapes with the news wrapping them up and putting them on the news and take it back to the computers. So how did you get your knowledge in bodybuilding? Because obviously, I don't know what year exactly that was, but how did you, because back then there wasn't, you know, magazines, maybe not as many back then, but how did you get your knowledge, how to do, how to train properly, how to do nutrition properly, you know, where did you get all that from? What I did most was watch the old black bodybuilders, because they weren't getting a lot of sense, but I read all their articles, like Rick Wayne, Arthur Harris, Leroy Colbert, uh, George Payne, I, I was really into those guys, mm -hmm. and then I followed all their instructions and, and figured out how it worked for myself. I learned how to do the exercises correctly, mm -hmm. body positioning, the breathing, because I read everything. I'm a big reader. I love to read, so I did a lot of reading. And in that process of doing all that reading, I learned by observation, watching people, how they do things. Mm -hmm. so I would go to the gym and peep through the windows at the gym that weren't allowed us in, and I would just watch the people. Richard Baldwin is one of the people I'll say again that mm -hmm. kind of encouraged me to come to Florida State, and I can get you in the gym. And that's what that was my first training mm -hmm. in the gym. And how did you become a pro, actually? In because you were in the IBB uh, Pro League, right? How did you how did you get into that? And what did it take for you to get a pro card back then? See, you didn't have to get a pro card then. In those mm -hmm. days, there was no such thing. So when I came into bodybuilding, I came through the AAU. Mm -hmm. The AAU was like the what is the amateur bodybuilding federation and i start going to those shows and then i said you know that i was i was really good at it mm -hmm. that's the only thing i could say at that point at that young age i had a great physique i had already had 20 inch arms mm -hmm. you know small as i say genetic base for my parents mm -hmm. and i just took that genetic base and found the right tools to use on that genetic base and created my physique that's amazing i mean um you know i gotta be honest with you looking at the old pictures you know vintage black and white pictures from the 70s, 80s, you know, your physique was phenomenal. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, those, those pictures from Venice Beach, you know what I mean? Like it was so many different pictures of you and it was just like phenomenal. Yeah, Barry, you know, I just had this mindset that that you can create your body with your mind. I didn't think of it later on that 
there were other substances involved. Mm-hmm. When, you know, I won what so many competitions was crazy back in those days. Mm-hmm. But in those competitions, they weren't placing me one, two, or three. They would place me fifth. And in those days, they had body parts of one. I would give up, I would win all the body parts of one. So to me, I said, okay. <laughs> I didn't get upset about it. I didn't think it was racism, even though that it was that. Um, I just didn't allow myself to, what, they, what would you say? Be mine. Couldn't mess with my mind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can break that wheel, that mind thing that I was just toughened, mm-hmm. you know, by the lifestyle and how I grew up. So I wouldn't allow you into this. And see, a lot of people, I think back in those days, still to this day, allow that to be fragmented. I won't let it happen. When I came out here in 75, after winning all this shit, I got a letter from Joe Weed. I was so proud. I was like, wow, come out and train with the Weeder boy. Uh, I was all excited. I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, wow, finally I get my opportunity. And then when I came out here in 75, um, and showed the guys the letter, Joe Weeder want me to train with, you know, come out here and train with you guys. And they started laughing. I thought, oh, okay, something in the milk ain't clean. So uh, I got out here and, you know, I had a certain amount of money, my plane ticket back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I set up an appointment. I went out to see Joe Weeder. Went out mm-hmm. to see Joe Weeder. And his first, my first indoctrination of the bodybuilders, I don't give blacks contracts. He told you this? Joe Weeder, point blank. I don't give blacks contracts. And I was like, from that point on, I was devastated because. In my course of there, you can't go back home and cry the white man. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You can't go back because they think, in my course, they call it, he's a weak nigga. That's exactly how I grew up. You couldn't go back to my hometown, Tyler House, and tell everybody, oh, they wouldn't let me in there, man. You know, I, I failed. You couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I stayed out here. In Venice. I stayed out here in Venice, and I slept on top of Gold's Gym for weeks, Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I couldn't go. I knew that if I went back home, I would be whitewashed in my culture. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. So I took the grind. I stepped on top of Gold Gym for weeks, months. And then I got uh, a guy named Michael uh, uh, Michael Montgomery allowed me to start staying in his place. That gave me the base. Mm-hmm. Then I started getting exhibitions and seminars. You know, mm-hmm. I was charging $500 at that time. I was getting $500 a pop. So I was able to kind of save my money and then move in an apartment because I still live in Venice, right across the street. So we had got an apartment mm-hmm. and then I started putting a little stuff in there through the money I was making as a, you know, doing all the exhibitions and seminars. But I never got a contract with Weeder. He never gave me a contract. So I, I want, Robbie, I want to ask you, so why did Joe invite you to go to Venice just to meet with him? Because I had a great physique. He just wanted to see I it. I him pictures of my physique. I was mm-hmm. pictures of my body. And when he, uh, I guess after seeing that, he sent me this letter saying, listen, come out to California. You know, I want you to train with the Weeder boys. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I took it as a word of honor, just honor. I didn't go in there thinking that the guy was going to say, hey, listen, I don't get a niggas contract. It was far the same for my mind. A lot of people that are going to watch this are going to ask, but Joe Weeder, I guess maybe not at that time, but later on, he did sign uh, many black athletes, right? Is that, is that he, he wasn't doing it at the time? He did it, he did it afterward. So he not, not after- at that time, but afterwards. I see what you're saying. Yeah, he did it. I think Ronnie Coleman got a, a $1 million contract. I think the first one was like $600,000 contract. Uh, I'm not sure about Lee. I think Lee Haney was with, uh, what is it, that other company. I'm not sure. Um, no, Lee, Lee, Lee Haney was, was with him for, I think, in the beginning of his career. Um, yeah, he wasn't with, he wasn't, I'm not sure who 
Lee Haney was with, but I was, I, I, I didn't follow it that much because I had kind of got in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lee Haney was working with the guy that owned Muscle, uh, Muscle Development Magazine. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's where he got his contract. I'm not sure, but I think that's where it was. But um, I'm not Wait, sure. What about Sergio Oliva? Was he, was Sergio Oliva? Was he with Joe Weider? I'm not sure. I think he might have been when they first started when he won the first two or three of Mr. Olympias. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. could have been the case, but I I never got one. I mean, the people around me got contracts, like um, uh, this is who was his name? Uh, I can't call. It. I think maybe Sean Radim. A mm-hmm. uh, few of the other guys that were guys, but Joe the guys that were coming through that Barry the Man, uh, what is his name, uh, Paul Delat, uh, the guys like that. I think by that time he was supporting and giving the guys contact because they're probably a lot more demanding. The presence now at that point, the guys were bigger, so mm-hmm. that too probably gave him a lot of leverage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I no. never, I never, as a bodybuilder, I've never. In the magazine, he had me wearing 220. I never weighed 220 pounds in my life. I've never weighed no more than probably 27, 28. I still weigh 22 this morning. Yeah, because I, I, I noticed uh, looking at your stats, in Olympia, you competed under the 200, um, yeah. two, 220, I think it was, right? The mark, mm-hmm. it was it was like a lighter division, right? But the reason I did that because I was trying to compare myself to Frank because mm-hmm. that's what was winning at that point. Frank won it two times. And Frank Zane? Mm-hmm. 78 pounds, mm-hmm. and I figured, well, if I could dial myself down, still retain my size, um, I would look bigger on stage on the line, but that didn't pay off. So, Frank won the Miss Olympia three times, mm-hmm. um, and that was about the size of it. But you you had a great competitive career, right? I mean, you never won the Mr. You won the Masters, Mr. Olympia, right? But you never won well, that the... Was my, that was my baby. I I, um, I kept saying to myself, you, you got to win one Sandow. Mm-hmm. You have to come out of this... <laughs> <laughs> one cent out. So I was in. I was. Li- I lived in Europe for twelve years because I got suspended for two lifetimes. I didn't suspended from an IBB. Yeah, I got suspended for two lifetimes. Because why, why did you get suspended? The, the, the reason why that was because of the fact that I was verbal. You know, I grew up in the South, and if something mm-hmm. not right. You say what's on your mind, mm-hmm. and so I said what's on my mind to. I get. I think Rick Wayne. I did a report with Rick Wayne, and I just told him. I said, "Hey," I said. Um, they want me to get big. I said, I'm not going to take the excess amount of uh, substances that you need to get like that. I just want to stay the way I am. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, Joe, we decided using my body with his different things in his magazines. And I thought about it. I, I called him on and said, hey, you can't do this. And he said, you can, I can do whatever I want. I mean, who's going to believe you? You're black. But see, this is how they could talk to you in private. You can't say too much. You can't go out there and say, hey, this person said that. Mm-hmm. So I just kept to myself with the whole thing in my own mindset. But I, I just, I mean, I love bodybuilding, but the people that run it, I don't have too much respect for them. Mm-hmm. Joe Weider, he helped a lot of people after I came through there. Mm-hmm. But my whole concept of Joe Weider is just, just not a good person. Even though may his soul rest in peace, mm-hmm. uh, I, don't have, I don't have the respect I would like to have for him. So yeah. it seems like you've experienced... Um, a lot of racism, lot of right? Racism. In in the bodybuilding specifically. When I competed, mm-hmm. my paychecks were always short. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't quite understand it at first. Where that tour that myself and Richard Smarry went on, Richard Smarry got his ten thousand every time because we were on this on, on the Zia BB tour, and to being on that tour, 
you get paid ever so often. My paycheck was $6,000 for second place. His pension was $10,000 for second place. He got his $10,000 every time. Mine came up short several times. I couldn't say nothing to the, the person that's running who was weighing to me at this point. Mm -hmm. I couldn't say too much to him. I just had to eat it. So I just, that's really, I'm like really a quiet person. I say to myself, I didn't want to bring all these things up, but I had, I did, I just, uh, I encountered a lot of racism in that business. And mm -hmm. I'm not, talking anyone down. I don't have no bad feelings. I don't think that, um, <laughs> um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, they, what do they call it? I'm not one of those people that is out there verbalizing and trying to make other people feel bad or put mm -hmm. other people down. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's going on in the way back live matter thing that, that to me, what kind of spurred me on to come out and say, talk about these things. You know, you can't, of course you, 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 I, I don't, what, the black life thing. I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening now that was still happening back then when I was alive, when I was younger. It's, it's the same thing going on, Val. It hasn't changed. I was, I was going to ask you, do you, do you think, because you, you were obviously growing up in, the, in, in America, right, in, in, in the 50s and 60s. You, you witnessed a lot of the stuff. So I was going to ask you, obviously, there's, there's, there's a lot of things happening right now that brought up a lot of these issues back on the surface. Yeah, that's what it is. Do, it do, you, feel like, do, you, do you feel like it's, it, it's gotten better progressively, or do you think uh, things kind of remain the same, racism-wise? What happened is they, they start to come up with all these ideas and values and making changes. And, mm -hmm. and then if you notice, it all goes quiet. Mm -hmm. And see, right. that's why it's happening now. These kids now are young and they say, hey, the hell with that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I mean, I can understand they're feeling stressed out and hurt and angry, mm -hmm. but I don't think you go out there and burn buildings down. That's mm -hmm. not what you're trying to fight for. You're trying to fight for equality here, a better uh, jobs, uh, more recognition. I mean, Every life matter. <laughs> That's how I see it. But come on now. The subject now, black lives matter. I mean, it should to some degree. I, I've been pulled over by police officers. They're nasty. Mm -hmm. No disrespect. They aren't all bad people. This is like the guys out there marching and protesting. They're not all bad people. But it's the same with the police. But I mean, if you're in a group like that, I mean, if I was a police officer and I saw somebody that misdoing the thing that's going to get me 20 years in prison, I would say, hey, dude, what's your problem? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're gonna get me in jail too. I'm gonna lose my benefits too. But right. see, they don't stand that bell. They just let sit back there and look at this and let it happen because they can't move either. If they do, just like the lady tried to stop a guy, I'm reading the information. I read everything, bell. And what happened with her? She gets fired. That right. don't make sense to me. Come on now. Right. If she had to let him go to, she go to jail too. Why should she go to jail? I don't understand the mentality of the guys. I really don't. I don't understand it. No way would I let that sucker. Get him and kill the damn man. And I'm sending that look. I'm saying, hey, dude, check, hey, check it out, man. You know, give it a break. If you don't like, you don't like me. Hey, it's my life. I got a family too. Exactly. So those guys are gonna be in jail for a long time for what? For not saying, hey, dude, check it out. Stop that crazy. Roll him over. Do something. Pump his heart. Come on, it don't make sense to me. No, it's terrible. See, I see myself in that position too. Mm -hmm. I, it flashed me back to uh, when I was a bodybuilder and when Joe Weider told me he wouldn't give me a contract. I became pissed, mm -hmm. but I said, you can't do nothing crazy here. Regroup yourself, get inside of yourself, calm yourself. Cause that's what I did. I calmed myself mm -hmm. and i still went back and bodybuild. I guess you say I had a great career. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. That was a lot of great time. I enjoyed bodybuilding. I still enjoy it to this day, Val, you know, just like a kid. 
<laughs> I still went to the gym, four o'clock in the morning, plumbing and business with Michael. Mm-hmm. Michael. Michael Hearn. I love the sport, man. I'm mm-hmm. not going to sit there and put the sport down. It's a great art form. I mean, I, I, I really would like to work with all the guys that are serious about it and want to get their bodies in shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's an easy thing, but you just need to learn the, all the values and the knowledge and put it into work. And what mm-hmm. I'm seeing on YouTube and Instagram, I'm seeing a lot of people out there describing and demonstrating exercises. But in my mind, no disrespect to them. To me, that's not bodybuilding. Throwing weights around, dropping weights, throwing weights on the floor. That's not impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Going in there, training, getting everything in the right order. You know, educating the kids out there because they need to be educated. Everybody come to me about drugs. And they want me to do a drug. I said, I don't do no drug plan. Well, I give you this master, I don't want your money. But this happens to me often throughout you know, my daily uh, working on the internet. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not what bodybuilding is about. It's not about drugs. It's about going in and training yourself, eating properly, getting your rest, learning the basic exercises, learning what body position is, learning what the man, the muscle thing really means. And once they start doing it, I think you'll to see a lot of bodybuilders coming out of the network. They need to do that. Seriously. Mm-hmm. For sure, man. So, um, you know, it's interesting. When I think of the, the golden years of bodybuilding, the golden age, they call it, right? Which is like se- well, se- the 70s, right? Let's say the 80s and 70s, right? You you would see these pictures, right, of you and, and Arnold and, and a bunch of other guys, you know, kind of like, it seemed like it was a tight-knit community and it was a lot of camaraderie in, in amongst bodybuilders. But it seems like, you know, you're saying that it was kind of, it was it was just the surface, right? It was It wasn't all good back then. When it comes to like specifically the bodybuilding community in Venice Beach, because the images you see, it's just it's almost it's almost like a family type feel, you know. Well, that's what I wanted it to be. That's what that's one of the reasons I ventured out into uh, to California because I I really wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was something great. Um, it has a, it had a certain twing of that camaraderie, but everybody pretty much was their own individual. Everybody went their own separate way. What you saw in Pumping Iron was stage, really. Because you you weren't you weren't pumping iron you were you had a cameo in pumping iron right yeah the real pumping iron is in Arnold's barn what we did in that gym was like memorial I mean it was just like everything was down there they only showed bits and pieces of it mm-hmm. that's the part that affected a lot of people um, when it came down to the pumping iron thing I was kind of put in the background and told not to pose mm-hmm. because I was in the better shape I had the better body mm-hmm. that's just a hard fact not being arrogant but I was always in shape. So when they, I came on camera, black, dark, muscular, ripped hard, it made my physique look better than the, all of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, there's a lot of bad feelings between myself and him because of that. But that what was happening at that time. I had a great physique. I was young, 24 years old. He was going into the twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. He had already won six Mr. Olympias. He was going into his seventh Mr. Olympia. I was playing for Mr. World. So we all trained together to create that atmosphere of camaraderie. They're showing us on the beach, laying out, all of us eating together. It was really a stage thing, but it brought a light to bodybuilding. You know, mm-hmm. no disrespect to any of that. It brought a good light to bodybuilding. People to this day still talk about it. But I was kind of pushed in the background, told not to pose, not to flex. Um, stand over here. Stand over here behind, behind Arnold. Or stand mm-hmm. over there and don't move. Uh, put on a jacket. <laughs> but, you know, that it didn't bother me because what it did to me is strengthen me. It made me realize that, hey, you got a cold-blooded physique. <laughs> they don't want you to be seen. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. The average person would have took it in a violent way and 
maybe make it make themselves feel bad, but I don't feel bad about it. I thought honored by the fact they wanted to keep me in the background. I thought, wow, cool, you got a cold blooded body, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I thought. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of racism. Racism to me, that's a violent word. And if you're quiet about it, then that tells me that you're a weak person. If you're in that kind of environment and you can't speak up about it, I don't have too much respect for you. You mm-hmm. have to speak up. You have to say something. Mm-hmm. It's like when I when I came here in 75 and we'd have put me on this protein can, it was all posted on there. I didn't pose for that picture. See, that's what people don't do. I did a 13-year-old kid sent me a message and said, Mr. Robinson, do you use weed or protein? And I spoke the 13-year-old kid a letter back and said, no, I don't use weed or protein. And what the kid did, sent the letters to Joe Weeder. <laughs> From that point on, oh, I'm I see. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what happened mm-hmm. right there. The minute I spoke out to that kid, well, these kids out there buying weeder product. They're spending their money on that stuff. I never used a weeder product in my life. So Joe and Ben Weeder banned you from competing in IVB. So you, that's yeah. why you had to go to Europe. You had, you had to go to, Am- had to Amsterdam, go to right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I think it was a great thing because, you know, in my mind, I was extremely upset. I was angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 24 years old. And all of a sudden, I'm being allowed to write to make a living is something that I love and I enjoy doing. I'm being pushed away, I'm being thrown out to the wolves and I'm not gonna be able to survive out there. Um, and so just, you know, I, that's what I say, I'm a very calm person and in my mind, my, I could just hear my mind now to this day saying to me, why don't you just go to Europe? Mm-hmm. I said, okay. <laughs> and I <laughs> packed my bags up, <laughs> really, I just, I'm one of those, one of those kind of people, I don't, a lot, as I say, these things to get in here. Mm-hmm. I find there's another way. I mean, and even in, I see some people hurting another person or being violent or pulling a gun. I always think there's another way. You can re just calm yourself and come out of that in a better place. Mm-hmm. But, uh, my going to Europe was the best thing ever happened to me, Bell. At, at, re- at the time we went to Europe, I'm sorry to interrupt. At the time we went to Europe, were, were you already uh, won Mr. Universe at that time? Or that was before? Yeah, I heard it won the Universe. I won everything. So you were a champion already at that point. I was a champion. So at that point, when him telling me to go to Europe, the name and the magazines over here and about printing my pictures and things over there, and I was able to go country after country after country exhibition seminars, and I bought a little home right there now, still in Zudemir, uh, Holland. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. still have that little home because that was my foundation. That's where I was able to uh, readjust, make a little money, save my little money, um, you know, build some kind of a foundation for myself there. Mm-hmm. And then when I think in 1994 they reinstated me. Because Lou Ferrigno was going in the in the, um, in the Olympia, and what they wanted to do was give Lou a big win, so they invited me back now to compete in the Meso, in the Masters Olympia. Uh, Wayne Demille sent me a letter through the magazine. A friend of mine there named Houston said, "Hey, Robert, listen, they want you to come back to America." And I said, "Wow, I'm in suspense." He said, "No, they want you to compete in the, in the Masters Olympia." Mm-hmm. So I said, "Cool." Because as I said, I didn't have any animosity or bad feelings or. I want to go back there and take my Uzi and run all over the office. <laughs> you know, I, did, mm-hmm. I didn't think like I was, I'm a very positive person. So I kept mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I'll go back there and I'll see what happened. I'll start training in Holland. And, and, and I was at this point, I was living in uh, in, in Norway. Mm-hmm. So our friend and I trained together right up to the point I was getting ready to leave. I left and came back to Los Angeles. The Olympia was in Atlanta. Uh, I took a plane to Atlanta, got off the plane, won the first Masters Mr. Olympia. That's great. I quit right after that because I knew that <laughs> if I go back into it, they're going to keep 
because by the time I get through that first place I won, it wouldn't be worth anything. So I quit that day. I retired that 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 time right after that. Did, did you get a chance to talk to Joe Weeder or Ben Weeder at that, that I event? Talked, I never. I didn't want to really, bro. I just thought mm -hmm. that there were like bad people with with the. <laughs> it's interesting because you know the. Um, a lot of people, you know, they love Joe Weeder, right? Because of he kind of built the industry, right? So, um, I guess I've heard I've heard some things about him before that were kind of questionable, you know. But you're the first one on the record that's actually, you know, saying that he was a good person. Obviously, it's an opinion. People have opinions, of course. So I mean, I he was a good person who he want to be a good person to. Mm -hmm. That's how I. That's how I would. But see, I, as I say, I was verbal. I did. I didn't allow that kind of mistreatment. I've already grown through that in the South, so why should I want to come out here to another whole another level and endure that same kind of mistreatment? Come on now. Do you think? Uh, do, do you think other other bodybuilders they 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 were okay with the if he was if they were mistreated by by him or whoever else they kind of took you know, it? I think this Sean Ray was verbal. See, see that's why Sean walked on Mr. Olympia. Sean will tell you point blank, mouth. Hey, come on now. Don't, I don't want to hear that. He's still that way today. When we all competed in the Arnold Classic, the year that he was disqualified, mm -hmm. we all were on draw. I was on the same thing he got busted for. It didn't make sense to me. So I know that it's all it all boils down to that point where, you know, he can manipulate that thing however he wanted. He's Joe Weeder. As he said to me, I'm Joe Weeder. Who's gonna believe you? That's just how it was. It, it you not putting him down, not making him a bad person, but I don't have respect for Joe Weeder. Mm -hmm. I lost it. I lost it in the midst of the chaos and the bad feelings and me being suspended for two lifetimes. My wife at that point worked at Weeders. She was, I won't say Malala, she was mixed black and white. Mm -hmm. She worked out there for two years. But boss Alan Dolphin hounded that lady every day. Why are you with that nigga? Every single day, while you with that nigga, she went over. Wow. I hate to say that, Val, but that's what happened. It's a, it's a true history. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about that. I wouldn't come online and say those things if it wasn't true. She's right. She ended up, Val, you might not believe she ended up a psych ward. Wow. It broke her down. It broke her down. She's still living in LAD. I still contact her, talk with her, but there's nobody there. Young, beautiful woman. Okay. But that's what that's how racism sure. is. She they they went after her to hurt me. That's how we both figured it out over the years. I, they couldn't break me, Val. That's what the problem was. They wanted to break me here. I go out and lose it. Not happening. Mm -hmm. I'm still mm -hmm. here. <laughs> that's how I see it. I guess a, a lot of people that are, are they're gonna watch this interview. Um, they might. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying what you're saying. You, you have your opinion, so the, we have to respect it, obviously. I'm saying a lot of people, the, a lot of audience, our audience are going to watch it. They're going to say, well, you know, there were many, many uh, African-American Mr. Olympias, right, after that. So they're going to say, well, he couldn't be that racist. You know what I'm saying? People are going to say that, like, as a, as a counterpoint to what you said. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they weren't there. They don't understand it. I, I tell you what I did, Val. I took and posted a piece directed from the newspaper mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And the article was talking about white privilege, mm -hmm. right? But I posted it on my page because I wanted to see how people react. Mm -hmm. I got like a full 500 messages, a lot of them telling me to go back to <laughs> go find another country to go to. Mm -hmm. I served this country. I served in the Army. Mm -hmm. I had 48 jumps. I don't have to go anywhere. 
That's what I told a lot of them. I said, there is a white privilege. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. But I think in that white privilege, a lot of people abuse it and misuse it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm one of those people. I don't care what people say about me. I don't mm-hmm. care what you think. I lived through that crisis. It's in my book. And Robbie Robinson, Robbie Robinson, the black prince, is in my book. And see, this what they tried to do was shut the book down, too. This book won a mm-hmm. Reader's Digest Award. See, people didn't like that because I was still evolving and getting better. I was still making myself uh, uh, overcome all these things that had happened to me in the past. Mm-hmm. I, don't have no, I don't have no bad feeling. We may his soul rest in peace, but I mm-hmm. don't have respect for Joe. Mm-hmm. I don't have respect for Ben Weeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that are running the business today, they run it lawlessly. If you say something, you know, you're pretty much done. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. They haven't changed that much. It's just like what's going on in America. It hasn't changed. And the people don't want it to change there. If they did, they would get out. I'm seeing now for the first time in my life so many whites out there marching. Now I'm impressed. But just mm-hmm. to see blacks out there marching, there ain't nothing too much is going to happen. That's just, if there are changes that come about, hey, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. People don't really want that to happen. They don't really want it. If they did, they would work together as a team. What about dialogue? What about communication? Why not go in there and try to make a stand and say, hey, listen, get a group from people and talk about this situation. Hopefully you can draw closer to each other. Mm-hmm. I'm finding right now more white people on the streets in Los Angeles speaking to me than ever spoke to me in my life, and I don't even know them. <laughs> so I'm thinking, they, I, I, seriously, I think that I was like, wow, I'm impressed. They're starting to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I see it. I mean, right. you have to be changed. Man, you can't stay the same. Of course. You gotta evolve, right? It's not growing. You gotta change mm-hmm. to get better. It's saying that's with bodybuilding. You have to change. If you don't make any change, how can you expect the body to become better? It's mm-hmm. not possible. Mm-hmm. You have to make changes. You gotta be went toward a better you than that old you. This is why I see things. That's what I see in, in today. I see the kids out there fighting, black and white, Spanish, and all kind of races. And I, I'm impressed because when I was coming through the race, you had to fight that battle by yourself. And then you're going to get pushed out into the ocean. Nobody's going to be, want you or have you around them, not whatsoever. Now, tell me about, were you and Arnold ever friends? Did you ever have a friendly relationship or you, you never got when, along with him, with Arnold Schwarzenegger? When we were in the gym training, as I say to you, no disrespect, bodybuilders, there's a lot of jealousy in it. Competitive yeah. jealousy, right? Yeah, it's a competitive thing. Right. So, you got that competitiveness, and he was competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I enjoyed training with him and Ed Corny and Denny Gable. Um, I mean, it was an incredible experience. I learned a lot of observation uh, from what I already knew to where they were today. I learned a lot from seeing Ed Corny squatting, doing the thing, doing pumping iron, and arm doing leg extension, and long pulley roll, Franco doing chins and stuff. I got a chance to observe the great guys. So... In, in 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 my world, I never had any bad feelings with Arnold. Mm-hmm. The, the only bad feeling arrived from the fact that um, when he went, I think, got busted for that fact that he was grabbing all these women. Uh, my wife was one of those women that he grabbed, and oh, in wow. that process, we were all right here in Gold Gym, or right down the street, two blocks from Gold Gym. Right now, she was sitting on a on a air machine, and. He went around because I noticed all the guys were over in the corner. I'm thinking, why is everybody over in the corner, right? So I'm walking over to get a dumbbell to come back because, uh, and then I see him going to reach around and grab her bus. And she hit him 
he on the lip, busted the lip, while blood everywhere. And from that point on, it was like pretty much down here for the both, <laughs> for the both of us, really. I, you know, Val, I live this life. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm on your show in this uh, generation out, and I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's tr- it was really triggered by what I'm seeing out there in the world today. Seriously, I mm-hmm. probably would have died and not ever even talked about it. Really, I talked to my lady friend about it. Outside of that, I don't really even discuss it. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I I uh, when Dexter Jackson won, I'm just giving a beat here. When Dexter Jackson's going won the Masters Olympia, or won the Masters Olympia in Miami, I was a guest poser. And when I went down to do this guest posing appearance, they paid me half the money up front and gave me the other half in, in cash, too. That's why I could request them because I know those IVB checks always bounce. I knew this. So really? Was, yeah, always. I mean, wow. I have one right here on my counter right here from that same person. This check bounced 10 times. Okay? I had to get a lawyer to get my... <laughs> Other $2,500. This check bounced 10 times. I kept this check as a memory. Every time I look at it, I think about that whole situation. But that's what happened. I mean, I worked at Joe Weider's office to make a living for myself and my family. I'll be honest with you, Val. I got the check on Friday. It didn't clear until the next Friday. All right? That's what I dealt with as a body, as a professional. And Going out there in that ranks. Mm-hmm. Joe Weeder helped people. Yeah, he helped people. He helped who he wanted to help. I was one of those verbal ones he didn't want to help, and he didn't. No disrespect to him. I lived through that lifestyle. I lived through that life. I'm honored by it. I'm proud of it. I'm still here. Everybody else has passed on. Now, how was your uh, experience in Europe when you went there for... Oh, loved it. I love you. I, you know, my intention after all of this is over... Uh, I'm about to sign a, a contract with Burt National's protein company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that process, I'm I'm going to move back to Germany because mm-hmm. I have a home in Holland, so I'm going to move to basically move back to Germany. Did you encounter similar problems in Europe that you that you had in the United States with uh, with the organizations or whatever? Yeah, that's that's what shocked me. I was I was amazed. Nobody ever called me a nigger, black boy. I was never hounded. No police officer ever came up to me since I was there for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I could go in the bank. People treated me not normal. Okay, like you would treat a person, not nasty. I never encountered any kind of nastiness while I was in Europe. None whatsoever. Never heard the word nigger, black man. Never. Mm-hmm. I had, I lived the great, and that's why I still, uh, uh, I still love going to you. I go there a lot of times uh, to Holland, to the house, overlooking the canals right there in Zutemir. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm still in my soul. I think I'm still in Europe. <laughs> well, that, was it surprising to you that, that it was so positive? No, I, because I, I just I, I just kind of felt that there was a whole different mindset. There was a whole different attitude towards myself as a black person. Mm-hmm. Never had a police officer ask me for my identification. Well, I was there for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Never had a encounter with a police officer. Never heard anybody call me a nasty name. And then I lived right in the midst of all these people, mm-hmm. basically all white Dutch people. Mm-hmm. So I never had that encounter. Mm-hmm. I never had it. I, the first time I heard the word nigga was at the Pump and Iron Park in San Jose, California. That's the first time I had never heard the word nigga. It, it's a dirty word, but that's, I never heard it. In Europe, I never heard it. It's three of you. Is it true that you walked off the set and pumping iron? Because I, I was doing some research and you did an interview 
back in 2003, I believe, and you told a story how you walked off the set because they didn't want to pay you. I walked out of it because we was all sitting there trying to make a little living, man. We all, I mean, nobody had a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So we all needed that, you know, that little piece of money. So they wrote up a contract for all the guys. We all signed the contract. I took the contract to my lawyer. She said, you get nothing. They never paid that contract. Mm -hmm. They just put the contract out and said the guys are getting paid. No, all of them never paid anybody. George Butler, Charles Gaines, them. They used all the body bills that are that was around. That was the we were the forecast. Nobody ever got any money. The only person that got money was only Franco Colombo the Acorn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. You know who's a big fan of yours is Dorian Yates. Uh, he praised you in his book and also in a documentary that we've done. He was a huge yeah, fan of yours. Dorian. When I went to you, that, that's you, you understand what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. where I met Doran. Doran was a young guy. Doran didn't look like that. Mm -hmm. Doran developed his body from the fact that we used to talk a lot when I went over there back in those old days. Kerry Case was the guy that owned the gym that, 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 that Doran worked with. Mm -hmm. And Doran, was, I, I pretty much almost fed him what was happening to me in America. Mm -hmm. So Doran knew that. That's why Doran is so close with myself still to this day because of that. He knew what I went through. I talked about it. I talk about it to all the guys in Europe. It wasn't not disrespecting the, the, the people. I was just told in my life. So they asked me questions like, Robert, how do they treat you in America? You black. And I said, not so good. And they, can you give them some detail? And I would give the detail because I was doing all these exhibition seminars in England, south of France. God, bro, you know, I've been believing Italy. Everywhere. Portugal, all over Europe. Mm -hmm. Working. So mm -hmm. I got a chance to talk to a lot of the guys back in those days about bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Dorian, Dorian praised you, man. He he was yeah. uh, motivated actually with your physique to build his physique, and he was Physics. just always praising. Yeah, I, I I have a lot of respect for Dorian. Um, I mean, he's one of the people that went there and took it to a whole nother level. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, nobody looked like that. Nobody, nobody still doesn't look like that up there. But Dorian was one of the people that I spoke with and talked with and hung out with while I was in Europe, uh, especially England, and he just grew from that. I mean, mm. he's a great guy. I really like Dorian. Have you been following the, the competitive bodybuilding in the U.S. in the last 10 years? You, you've been uh, paying attention to uh, Mr. Olympia competitions, the Arnold Classics, you know, the modern bodybuilding? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm a bodybuilder. <laughs> I love it. As I still follow it, I still look into it, I see who's winning. Who's looking good? Who's not? Um, I mean, it's an it's an incredible art. Well, it's, if people really look at it as those barbells and dumbbells and cables are your paintbrushes. Mm -hmm. That's how I've always seen it. I always you can design and shape your body look any way you want, but it all has to come from here and the right technique, the right body position. Eating, eating is ninety percent of bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. You can train till you drop. Do you think do you think the quality of bodybuilders got declined over the years? Because a lot of people say the physiques got worse from the from the nine from the eighties to nineties. They were getting progressively worse. Um, what what, are you, what is your opinion on it? What is your take on the progression of bodybuilding? I think you know my honest opinion. I think everybody trying to keep getting so big, they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and, and then they don't realize they're looking up there like they're pregnant. <laughs> I mean, to me, that makes bodybuilding look bad. I think even all said that. I mean, come on now. Right. I mean, you're taking away from something that is a great art form and making it look like you're nine months pregnant. That don't make sense to me. No disrespect to the guy. That's a lot of chemical. It don't make sense to me. I don't understand that. You're a bodybuilder. You're not trying to be a, the biggest person up there. You're mm -hmm. trying to be big enough that your muscles will awe everybody. That, to me, is the winner. I hate to say this, but 
I was very disappointed in Ronnie to see him come out like that. It hurt my feelings, really, to see him come out there where he can hardly walk. I, 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 hmm. I think that's an exaggeration. That's just an overdoing of that thing. That's his life. That's his body. But I don't. I don't. I don't. But what do you feel about him in his prime on the stage? Do, 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 when you saw him compete, you know, in his prime in, in the late '90s, early 2000s, did, did you did you feel like it was a great I physique? I think he's much better younger mm. when he was younger and not so massive and so big. And mm -hmm. I mean, squatting with 800, 900 pounds, I don't see that. You're not trying to annihilate yourself. You're trying to build muscle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see progressively getting strong, but not to the point where. You're going to hurt or injure yourself. I, I don't think so, man. Seriously. I've never had an injury in my life. Oh, really? Wow. I've the same weight. I have I held the same waist Michael O'Hearn had. Technique, body position. Here we go again. See, eating around. Never had an injury to the elbow, joint, back, knee, shoulder in my life. That's and that's all because of the practicing bodybuilding. It's an art form. You have to know how to lift correctly. Mm -hmm. You have to know what to do with your body, with your muscles. Bones move muscle. Well, I'm seeing guys doing is this. I don't think that's building on the muscle. I think you're just pumping the drone. That's how I see it in my mind. Mm -hmm. I don't understand the the, the, the foundation. I, I don't. I, are you I just, are you a fan of the classic physique division that they started a few years ago? I, I think that's a good division. I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I think it it should be a mainstay in bodybuilding. I think hopefully probably somewhere down in there. I think they're trying to slowly phase out bodybuilding because this is what I'm hearing from people. That I hear in the gym, and they're talking about in that mix, uh, they're trying to really eliminate it or get it down to where the guys won't be so big. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's really hurt the sport. A lot of people don't even watch it anymore. Mm -hmm. People don't want to see that. What do you think about women's bodybuilding? Because they they banned women's bodybuilding maybe like three, four years ago, and now they're bringing it back. I think this year to Olympia, but it seemed like it was a kind of similar thing where the the physique similar got really thing. big, right? No disrespect. Yeah, a woman should be strong, but I don't think she'd be to the point where she changes her whole self in a feminine way to a masculine way. I don't see that. I don't. I, I'm honest with you about this, Val. I don't see that. I think sure. bodybuilding is supposed to produce beautiful bodies, not bodies to the point where the person's found disgusting. I mean, Linda Murray came in at the last physique that really looked like a piece of art that really. Mm -hmm. carried the stage and um from that point on they start going into other things and other ladies that i didn't really appreciate i couldn't understand i mean no disrespect to these people that are trying to overdo it or uh, that are overdoing it I, I don't i don't see that that's to me it's not bodybuilding should be femininity present in the body you think like a, le a level of femininity right in the, in the women's body as a certain amount is lost in it because you are using anabolic substances you can't help it you know, I've dated several women that use the, the anabolic substance. It's a whole nother physique, a whole nother body. Everything changes. You can't help it. Well, it's interesting because I feel like every division of bodybuilding, because every year, let's say you're a champion this year, right? You have to show some kind of improvement or a change in your physique. You have to evolve somewhere, right? And I yeah. guess at some point, there's nowhere else to, to, to go, right? It's it's That's why every division, start they, they start getting bigger to a certain extent because they have to evolve to, cer to a certain extent. You know... I came in the bottom and I weighed 205 pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. I never gained no more than probably five pounds. Mm -hmm. I didn't exceed that. Even in the offseason, I never bulked off. See, today the guys bulk up. They, some of them, I think it's way overdone. I think it's more toward health 
issues. You know, like we've seen a lot of guys, heart attacks, kidney problems, losing your feet, losing your leg. Man, I don't see it. I think bodybuilding is about health. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to have a healthy looking body up there. You're supposed to have uh, people remember for being healthy and taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought bodybuilding was. I thought it was a science and that it was an art form, a form of art that you actually go in and rebuild your physique. That's actually, um, you know, uh, pretty much in every interview that I do, we kind of, it's kind of the issue that always comes up. Is bodybuilding about health or is it about, or is it an extreme, extreme sport? You know what I mean? And most people say to me when I interview them that bodybuilding is more of an extreme sport. It's almost like car racing, you know what I mean? You gotta you gotta take yeah. your you gotta take I'm, it to the next level. If you th- if they think it's a car, what look at Ronnie. If you think it's a car, look at all these guys that have died. Look at the guy that died. Dallas. Dallas shouldn't have died. Give me a break. Don't you make sense? That's excessive, excessive, excessive. Mm-hmm. You're not invincible. So it doesn't make sense to try to achieve Superman. Mm-hmm. You're in there to build muscle, a beautiful body. Take it to the level that you can take it to. If you can't go past that or push yourself, change your eating, change your training, get more into this mindset thing, then you get out of it. Find you another lot of work. But to go in there and put it to the point where, you know, the guys are dying so close together, they're young men. Don't make sense to me. Power to each, each other, power to each one of them, but I don't see bodybuilding that way. I see bodybuilders as an art form. You're not, in a, you're not a freaking... Maserati, you're not a car, <laughs> you're a human being. Bones, this stuff do tear off the bone. You can't have a heart problem. You can have a liver problem. I mean, you know if you keep doing that stuff, high doses is going to cause you problems. Mm-hmm. Why I've never had a problem. When I came out of bodybuilding, I went straight to the VA hospital here in Los Angeles, and I had, the only problem I had was a slight elevation of the liver enzymes. I went back and started killing myself and doing uh, indulging my inducing my body to to things like dandelion root, milk thistle, okay? Donqua. All these are herbs. These things help heal your body. Mm-hmm. When I went back to get that uh, uh, test again, everything was normal. I just went back to the VA as a matter of fact on Monday to get my six months exam. Blood test was normal. Everybody temperature was normal. My weight was still 202 pounds after not training for Three months. Mm-hmm. So I know it's about health. I mean, my body temperature is 95%. My, my uh, was blood pressure was 129 over 62. My body weight was 202 pounds. I, I think my body, I'm a muscle machine. That's exactly how I see it. I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. That's what bodybuilding is about to me. I would want to come out. You know, I was really worried about coming out of bodybuilding with probably liver and kidney problems. I really was. Mm-hmm. That's myself. As I start coming down off the bodybuilding, I start coming down off the drugs. That's what a lot of guys don't do. They keep taking that stuff because it gives sure. you a high. Sure. Gives you a high. It messes. It 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 makes you feel that you can do anything. Do you, that's what happens to a lot of guys. Do you think perhaps maybe? Um steroids should be banned in bodybuilding and it should be only natural organizations and just basically should be just banned. I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the IFBB has separated now. See, there are two. That's one in Europe. Rafael Santoco is the president of that right, one. Right. Then you got Jim Banyan over here that's got the other one. Uh, NPC. Okay? Um, they separated because they wanted to go natural. I, you know, I'm not going to say go natural. I mean, you can't tell people what to do, but I mean, if you're going to 
go into that excessive uses, you have to really think about it. You're not a freaking car. <laughs> You're a human being. So you, you, you got to really think about actually taking care of your health. That was my number one priority. I didn't want to come out of a sink now. I didn't want to come out of that sink. Where am I going to go? There's no insurance from the IFBB. Right. I'm, I'm a part, I pay my dues every month. Then you should have me a, some kind of insurance thing, or I should have some kind of insurance thing. But I think that's what a lot of guys end up there not insured. I mean, I mean, I'm sure one of the things that hit me hard was this young kid in, in, in Texas, Dallas. It hit me hard because I thought, he's such a young guy. He's just starting out. You know, I, I, the pieces just wasn't there. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I still think about him sometimes. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's definitely, you know, we, lately we hear a lot of different, you know, bodybuilders. They, you know, they, they experience problems, health problems when they, you know, that pass forward. You know, crazy. No. Sure. I would think nothing is worth more valuable than my health. That's how I see it. I mean, bodybuilding, again, is about health. Uh, health does matter. Your health does matter. I talk to all the guys that I, on the internet, on Instagram and Facebook. I just tell them point blank. I mean, it's your body. It's your life. No, I won't fix your drug plan up. I'm not a doctor. And I get that, you know, daily. I check sure. Instagram. Robert, do you give me a drug plan? No. Because I'm not going to get myself. I'm not a doctor. But you know what's interesting, Robbie? You know, I, I ask a lot of people, you know, would you go to a Mr. Olympia or any other competition if you knew everybody's natural? And they all say no because they want to see a freak show. They want to see freaks, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But they don't realize, they don't realize is that's a detrimental to that person's health. Sure. See, they don't really, the fans just want to see something freaky. Right. They don't care how they, what happened with you. And then when you die, they're going to talk down about you. That's what the people do. That's all what right. they, That's all I've been hearing about Flex. I mean, Ronnie, I'm hearing it on this end, okay? And they're saying that, hey, crazy. I mean, what are you going to do with that? I mean, Mr. Olympia, oh, great, okay? Look at Lee Haney. Now, I can respect Lee Haney came out of that madness healthy. He won his eight and quit. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Very young, too, yeah. That's my A, and he's healthy, okay? That's what I mean. That makes sense to me. I can use Lee as a role model here. Lee came out of that healthy. Dorian came out of it healthy. Doesn't have no interest. And not that I know him because he didn't even probably talk to me about him. But that, nah. I mean, that to me is, is real bodybuilder, bodybuilders. You come out of that madness sick and invalid? Nah, I don't think so. Ain't nothing worth my health. Do you ever, can you, can you name me your top five of all time, top five bodybuilders of all time in, in, your, in your opinion, your list? I mean, you got you definitely have to keep it. I, I'm still old school mindset. Mm -hmm. sure. I'm still looking at when I first saw Colombo, when I first saw Earl. I thought, awesome. Okay, but then 70s, I came in there, and then I'm awesome. Then you got the end of the 80s and the 90s. They're awesome. You got so many incredible physiques that, I mean, to come in there and say a top five or a top 10, that's a hard pill to, 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 to swallow. You know, I, I, as I say, I named the guys. I, I respect all the guys like uh, Arlen, uh, Franco. Uh, they had great physiques. I, I can I can see uh, Lee Haney. I mean, I can see Dorian Yates. I can see, um, uh, was it Sean Ray? He had incredible physique. Mm. I can see those guys because they had complete bodies. Bodies that really, you go like, wow, I want to look like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that mixing of somewhere, I don't qualify myself in them, but I love my physique. I love what the gift that I was given and people appreciate it. And that to me is, is worth more than anything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what did you take on Dexter Jackson? Because you, you mentioned longevity, right? Like, for instance, Lee Haney re- uh, retired at the age of, I think, 31 or 30. Like, uh, 31, I think, he retired. He won eight Olympias. Yeah. Smart. Very. But then you have Dexter Jackson, who's competing. He's in his 40s, right? And he's been competing for a long time, and he still seems to be very healthy. And when I, when I spoke to him in an interview, he talks about, you know, training smartly and Light, you know, taking like light, um, working out with lighter weights, and taking yeah. a very um, good care of his health. You know, what did you take on somebody like him and his longevity in the game of bodybuilding? You know, I, when I look at a physique, I look at a physique and I can see how that person's gotten better. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to, to to Dexter. I remember when Dexter was like one hundred ninety pounds, and he came up to me and he said, "Robbie, they're not treating me fair, man." And I said, "Well, Dexter, you just got to go back to the drawing board." Mm-hmm. He went back to the drawing board and he came out of where he is right now. Um, I always think a physique should change. You got to man, it has to manifest to some degree. I I wouldn't keep going back in there and banging myself like that. It's no way possible. Hmm. I mean, he keep pacing high. I mean, he has a good physique. Um, he won the Miss Olympia. Um, some people play that game out. Until the point where there's something do happen. I mean, if I was him, I would quit. I mean, he, he's worth a lot of money. He's made what, like five million or something like that, from what I've heard. One of the richest bodybuilders. I wouldn't be playing around with that. <laughs> I'll find some other way to use my time. <laughs> 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 nah, I, I mean, to each his own. I wouldn't be end up playing with it like that because anything can happen. You don't know. You know, your health. Your health is your. It's wow. You know. I think about it sometimes. I think about, boy, if I had really listened to the foundation people, I probably would have been gone by now because of the sickle cell. When I first, the first shot I took of, of a drug, as I say, I walked from Gold's Gym right down the street here, back to my apartment right there on the corner in Venice. And by the time I got in my door, I collapsed. That was from what? That was from what exactly? From what drug? I was training at Gold's Gym. It's right down the street from mm-hmm. my house here. I'm sitting right in the middle of Venice. That's where mm-hmm. I live. And I walked from Gold's Gym after getting that shot, and I could feel my body pumping up like a helium bag. By the time I got to my front door, uh, to my apartment here in Venice, I collapsed in the door. But what happened was that I hadn't gotten blood work done yet, see? And in that process, that blood work increased the size of my blood corpuscles. Mm-hmm. And with me having sickle cell, when sickle cells go through the bloodstream, if they're, they're sickle shaped, right, like a half moon. So what they do, they hang on to each other mm-hmm. and they block the blood flow that get to the extremities, like the heart, the liver, the kidneys and things like that. And so I collapse and I'm shaking. As black as I am, I turn gray. And my 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 uh, lady friend at this point was saying, uh, what's wrong? What did you do? I said, I couldn't even talk. She drove me to the bathtub, put me in the bathtub, put cold water on me. That's why I'm here today. It shot my body. You what, 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 did you, what did you take? What was it a shot off? What kind, it was what? Prima Bolin Depot. Which is Prima a, which Bolin Depot right. was a light anabolic back in those mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. That was the first anabolic I took in my whole life. And I took that drug, and by the time I got back to my house here, my apartment here in Venice, I was pretty much done. Could have had a heart attack, could have had an animalism in the brain. This is what the doctors were saying to me. They said, you have sickle cell. Mm-hmm. And I said, what is that? And then I started finding and reading information about it, and I realized, hey, you're not in a good place. You're not healthy here. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing my own research, reading all the books about it. I changed my way of eating. Uh, 
as, as Black Destiny say, I started doing lighter weights. Um, what did I do? I saw and built, it had to rebuild myself. See, from that that time with the steroid, I had to rebuild my body because of the everything collapsed because of the uh, the adverse reaction to the steroid. Mm -hmm. So how how were you able to take how were you able to take those substances as you were competing? Where you have to like change up the other substances? I had to change everything, bro. I, I couldn't oh. take it the way they wanted to take it. I had to take it like for eight weeks only. And then I had to take it in dosages that were small dosages. I couldn't take 200 milligrams of DECA. Mm -hmm. I would have gone to a collapse. I couldn't take it. I had to take 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50. That's how I had to do it every week. Other way around, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here interviewing me. Did taking like less dosages put you in a disadvantage? You know, I think it saved my life, really. Huh. Because the body was able to, to maintain a certain... Uh, normality. That's what I'm gonna say. No, more normal, because mm -hmm. during those doses, you're only doing that like um, once a week. I was doing 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, mm -hmm. 75, 75, 75, 75, 75, 100, 100, 100, 100 for eight weeks. That's how I did drugs. I didn't do them like every week mm -hmm. or every three days, like the mm -hmm. guys are doing today. I mean, thousand milligrams of testosterone, I'd be dead. I couldn't take it. I heard a rumor that recently, I think maybe a year ago or two years ago, you were in a hospital, something happened yeah. to you. Like, what happened exactly? Because I wasn't sure if it was what the truth. What, what happened was I was doing a lot of tours. I was back normal. I still had my physique, but I was traveling down near towards South America. Mm -hmm. And what the doctor said to me, that, that my body pressure took a dive. And mm -hmm. the body pressure took a dive, so that the blood pressure, everything took a dive. And when I came back to Los Angeles, I had to check myself into the VA hospital because I'm going into a sickle cell crisis. In a sickle cell crisis, you're just out of it. I mean, the your color of your eyes turn a little yellow. Mm -hmm. Black as I am, you can't see it, but the skin gets a little yellowish. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So what I had to do was go back in there and rebuild my body all over again from that, just from that more fact. I took started taking glute. What is it? I went to a, a longevity doctor, Dr. Rand. Dr. Rand started giving me intravenous feeding of minerals and uh, glutathione and things like that, the B12, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. calcium, to help my body cells recover from the fact that, you know, I had pretty much wrecked myself in all the tour. But I needed to make the money. <laughs> so, uh, so, so did you recover after that incident? Are you, are you feeling good now? Is your health in good, good condition now? Oh, yeah. I'm... I, what I've done, I'm about, again, signed one contract with Burton National Protein, and then I've signed a contract with a company called uh, Sickle Life, which mm -hmm. actually helps people that have sickle cell. But mm -hmm. see, I can't talk about it because the government are coming in and shut me down. Oh. So it's a great product. It gives you energy. It doesn't cure sickle cell, but it gives you a lot of oxygen and energy that it needs. And that's that's what I found out about um of, uh, what is it about the sickle cell thing? Was that it all boils down to oxygen? It's just like bodybuilder. You're not gonna build big muscles without having a lot of oxygen in the blood. Mm -hmm. So I'm really kind of pushing it now more toward the bodybuilders that are trying to have that up kick of oxygen as they're going toward the competition. So you're bigger, fuller, and more muscular. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. my whole goal on it. Absolutely. Uh, now I noticed that you're back in Gold's Gym training uh, with Michael Hearn. I saw the video right. you guys posted the other day. Uh, <laughs> now the Gold's Gym has been closed for for a few months because of the quarantine. Are you uh, worried going back to the gym and 
because of the coronavirus, you, maybe the spread will come back. Are you worried at all about that? You know, and go, I'm going there every morning, like 4 a.m. And what they do is they check your body temperature. If you have mm -hmm. a higher body temperature, you can't come in the gym. Which I think it should be like that. You should sure. have it in a sense where the person uh, know where they are, that they are healthy, and that um, you try to keep working at it. I'm not concerned. You know, I, I really have. I'm, I'm really against wearing all these masks, really, because that creates a problem too. So I've been basically pretty not wearing a mask when I'm out and about. Mm -hmm. And then if I have to put on something like on the bus or go on a place or restaurant or something, or, I mean, the health food system, I put it on. That's what I do. So, Robbie, um, it's, it's really been very insightful talking to you. I really enjoyed this oh, yeah, conversation, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. And, yeah. you know, I feel like you're a legend in a game and you have so much knowledge, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Last question I want to ask you today. Um, you know, uh, I want to ask you two things. What is your most favorite thing about bodybuilding, you know, over the years from your experience and your least favorite uh, thing about bodybuilding? What are the two things you love? What are the things you love about it? What are the things you hate about bodybuilding? I don't hate anything about it. I love bodybuilding. I love the sport. You might not believe it, but I love going in there and feeling that cold iron in my hand and squeezing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sets me off. And I, I, I know I'm in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where I want to be. I'm looking forward to doing those curls and squats and deadlifts and chins. It, it, it motivates me. It inspires me. I don't have any bad things to Fat feelings about bodybuilding. What went on in my younger life, that went on. I'm stronger from the fact that I had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. But I don't have any bad feelings, no whatsoever. I mean, I still sometimes get that fire, man. I want to go jump back up there and hit a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do it, man. I think you can definitely oh, yeah, do it. Yeah, I can do it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it there. I love uh, it. But uh, I gave it to the guys that are doing it right now. Let them have fun with it like I have had. Well, sir, thank you so much. I think Thanks, people pe people people are gonna love this interview, man. Like, you know, right, and and I and I really look look forward to meeting you in person in uh, California. You have to, have so. to do that now. Come down to goals anytime. Visit GenerationIron.com for even more GI exclusive content on all things bodybuilding, fitness, combat and strength sports. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are downloaded.